All right, ladies and gentlemen,、uh, thanks for listening.、Uh, City of Love, Tennis of Melbourne.、Um, Now available on Spotify. Just check it out on Tennis of Melbourne.、Uh, today, I'm very lucky to have Mill. Mill, you want to say hello to our 50 million family and friends. Hello. Okay. Nice to be here. <laughs> right, Mill. All right. Where do we start? All right. So, my first impression of you, Burundara, probably 10 years ago when I started、uh, my position as a sports trainer. Um. We'll, we'll, we'll go back first. We'll go back first.、Um, you were probably about fifteen, sixteen, playing tennis, right? Yeah, yes, that's right. And、um, how how hard and how intense was training back in the days?、Uh, wow, I was involved in tennis for quite a big chunk of my life there,、uh, especially the beginning of my life. So I started playing when I was about eleven years old.、Um, Which is a little bit late,、um, given you know most people started about six or seven.、Mm-hmm. But、um, I came to it a little bit late. But、um, I quickly developed a sort of you know ambition to to play and to, to travel, and、um, I pursued it for about ten ten to eleven years.、Mm-hmm. And in that time, I was pretty much by the peak of it. I was very much full time. It was. It was my main sort of、um, main thing that I was pursuing for sure.、Mm-hmm. Right. So、um, before eleven, did you do anything other sports than tennis? No, actually not. I was not a sporty person in the slightest.、Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I've since reverted to that. I think that's my natural state.、Um, I'm more of a What you would call,、uh, you know, the classic nerd stereotype. I love to read. I'm,、mm-hmm. I'm not all that physical if I can help it.、Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I prefer to sit for long stretches in front of the computer than、uh, than do any physical activity.、Mm-hmm. But I think that's mostly because I trained so hard as well in those ten, twelve years.、Mm. Um, right. So yeah, I was tra- I was、uh, training about. Oh, six to seven days a week. Wow.、Um, about yeah, you、mm. know, probably about six to seven hours a day as well. So it was definitely my full time、mm-hmm. sort of job, even though I didn't always get paid for it.、Mm-hmm. But w- would you recommend?、Um, would you say that you were on the pathway to so pro or even college at the time? Yeah, at the time I was. I was considering both of those options.、Mm-hmm. Um, I went to America in two thousand and eight. Wow, that's a long time. I know. Ago. <laughs> 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 so bizarre.、Uh, and I spent a few months there, or yeah, around about a month and a half, I think.、Mm-hmm. Um, and I was playing tournaments over there, and I really sort of decided, oh, you know, I re- I want to. Maybe pursue the pro tour,、mm-hmm. and、um, I started playing pro tour tournaments after that.、Mm. Um, but that was really quite near the end. It was a little bit sad、um, the way that it had to end. But I guess I can get that into that a bit later.、Mm-hmm. But、um, but yeah, no, that was definitely my、uh, ambition was to be a pro and.、Mm-hmm. I did consider college as well. I had a few college offers in the states、right. um, that that I didn't pursue, but 
they were interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. If if you could give one tip for junior players, the junior players these days, you know, anywhere between fourteen to seventeen, what's one advice you would give them? Um, I would say really um, don't neglect your education too much. Mm. Give yourself options. Um, I know it's very tempting and when you're in, you know, when you're in sport to, you know, a high level, uh, everyone around you is sort of foregoing school and they're foregoing a lot of their education. Um, And to some extent, you're going to have a competitive disadvantage by being, you know, by trying to, to stay, to keep up with your education. But I think it really pays off because the statistics really are not on your side when it comes to mm-hmm. making it pro. Um, you need to have a lot of resources behind you. You need to be realistic about um, where you're at. Are you getting sponsorships? Is your family independently wealthy enough to mm-hmm. to finance you? Like, how are you going to pay for it, basically? Wow. Uh, if you can't answer that question, then... Um, you should really make sure that you maximize your other opportunities in life so you don't end up really in a in a tough spot. That's what my advice would be to anyone wanting to pursue it. Wow. You're so articulate. Make it so simple. Um, yeah, you definitely, you definitely feel like someone or sound like someone who reads a lot and knowing how you structure your words you know i've been doing one convo every single day since the first lockdown and somehow i just developed this uh this skill set of listening to people the, the the break between the words and you just spot on are you, are you writing a book i'm not oh. i actually haven't read a book in over <laughs> probably like eight years uh-huh. <laughs> i'm just my social media has rotten my brain mm-hmm. but yeah. um i have been doing a lot of um job interviews and things like that so mm-hmm. that's probably where mm-hmm. you're picking up the the sharpness <laughs> okay I'm, I'm practiced i'm well greased you were <laughs> Just so you know, we are. We, this is this is a convo, not an interview. So <laughs> take yeah. it easy. Take it easy. All right. So you mentioned about my family before. Um, what is your one advice for tennis parents? Oh, that's a tough one because I'm never been a parent. I'm not really mm. sure what that's like. You know, you can never really know until you are one. But I think I don't. I would. Mm, I guess you got to make sure that it's really, like, in your child's interests, like, that they really want to do it and they're not doing it for you or for anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've got to intrinsically like it. And, you know, if they have other interests, like, let them pursue them, you know. Don't don't be too controlling. Don't be too um, overbearing on, on kids. Because I don't think it turns out well. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Love it. Just let the kids play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Now, uh, earlier on, you touched on um, how your tennis had to end. Has it got to do with injuries or um, lack of vision or meeting the wrong people? Or how, how did it have to end? So, it ended um, kind of abruptly. Mm-hmm. Although, I, the... It was injury, mm-hmm. but it was over a long, long period of time where 
my body started to break down and I wasn't really entirely sure why. Um, I went through a lot of medical um, sort of, I went, went to a lot of doctors and went through a lot of medical investigations and um, I had a lot of joint problems um, that would kind of move around my body strangely and um, the main one was with my hip. Mm. which at the time um, that I had to retire, I was really having difficulty walking or laying down on my hip. It was extremely painful. Mm. Um, And then I'd have periods where um, I could train again and it was very strange. You know, it would come and go in this strange cyclic pattern and no doctor really put their finger on why. Mm. Um, So I went ahead and had... Um, a pretty, you know, intense hip surgery at 22. Uh, And it was just as I was starting to get into the pro tournaments. So I just sort of started, you know, realizing my, my goals with it and, you know, starting to qualify to enter these, you know, these uh, WTA tournaments. Hmm. And I was kind of confronted with like, okay, well, Maybe I can come back after this hip surgery. Uh, I didn't. I, I wasn't sure, but at that point I was about 22, mm. and so I had to be very realistic with myself. I said, you know, do you want to come back? It could be a very long road. The surgeon was telling me it could be up to two years before I'm really like properly better and can run without having any worries, you know. And then I was thinking, wow, so I'll be 24 by that point, and, you know, mm. where do I want to be then? Um, wow. <laughs> it, was, it was a tough choice. And so, then I, I had to sort of realize as well, like, you know, <laughs> you're a 22-year-old uh, year 10 dropout. Mm. Um, what are you going to do with your life? Like, if this doesn't work out, are you going to – what are you going to do? You know, I had to be really, really, like – um, very brutally honest with myself. Mm, okay. So you were you at uni at the time when you were 22? Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't. Okay. I'd studied a couple of TAFE courses part-time, mm-hmm. like remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were, those kind of filled the gap because I never did VCE or anything. Um, those were kind of, you know, my um, equivalent. Right. Okay. And before that, I'd done a bit of homeschooling as well, up to year ten level. Mm, right. So, wow, you actually, from from my side, what what I'm hearing, you dedicate a lot to tennis, and the in return, it was a you know, it's like it's like you put a lot of money in the lottery, and then the lottery just goes, sorry, sorry, next time, sorry, next time. It's just saying that for many years, and you just like, okay, maybe I'm yeah. not gonna invest you know, in the, in this pathway anymore. However, however, what would you say if you learn one thing in this, in this t- tennis journey? I learned a lot of things. I don't, re- I don't really regret it at all. Um, it's kind of, it feels a little bit like I've lived a lifetime already before I go, I went into uni and joined like the, you know, the, the regular rat race. <laughs> <laughs> I've had this really strange, um, kind of first chapter of my life that was spent just traveling around mostly with my mom who's also my coach and um yeah those were 
those were good times. Mm. And it was sometimes I'm like, oh, geez, all I needed to care about back then, you know, I didn't have to worry about, you know, anything except tennis. And sometimes I miss that. <laughs> oh. So But, your childhood、um, and old teenage life had to go through some sacrifices. Oh, you definitely do with、mm. tennis, definitely, especially socially.、Mm -hmm. And I think that's often kind of、um, not made, not really.、Um, it's not really discussed often how much of an impact that can have. Because、um, I think as well, if you pursue anything, anything. You can think of to like a really extreme degree.、Um, you are going to be quite lonely, and you know there's certain personalities who deal with that better than others. Like I feel like in tennis, it's probably better if you're quite introverted.、Um, you know, like it's it just helps because you're going to be spending a lot of time by yourself. <laughs> you know, or with very few people, and、uh, seeing very few people, and going very few places except like your hotel room and the tennis court.、Um, that was like when I was in America. I didn't really see all that much. You know, people are like, oh, oh, did you go to Disneyland? No, <laughs> I was in Florida, about you know an hour away. But no, I didn't see anything touristy whatsoever. I didn't even go to the beach. I was just tennis courts and hotels. That was it. Wow. <laughs> okay. Jeez,、so, this is a、uh, this is some 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 story to 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 look into. And and even okay. Well, I'm gonna、uh, this because right now the the atmosphere sounds a little bit heavy. I will come back to this later. But we're just gonna put something on on this on the side just for a few few moments, right? Now, Mio,、yeah. are you a coffee drinker? Yes. Okay. Here we go. This is this is a make or break moment for 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 the for the rest of the weekend. All right, would you say that Melbourne has the best coffee in the world?、Um, Because you travel around, right? I did, but I didn't drink coffee when I was playing. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh, I was on a lot of、um, restrictive diets and things when I played, so I didn't really drink very much coffee.、Um, okay. But I drink a lot of it now,、mm -hmm. so and I do really love the coffee in Melbourne. So、mm -hmm. I really wish I had more comparison points. Okay, I'll, I'll safe. I'll, I'll let you go. Was, this is just in. You don't need to challenge. But this is good. But、um, I got to say, ninety percent. I would say ninety percent、uh, of people still、uh, thinks that Melbourne has the best coffee. I just want to get that therapeutic yes when 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 people say it. So anyway, I'm a coffee drinker. All right, so.、Um, Uh, leading, leading、uh, coming back to to tennis.、Um, would you say that there is a, a question that happens in every single combo? So,、um, I, one, I don't know how many coaches you had or seen or, or experienced, but in your opinion and experience, that、uh, what's one difference between a good coach and a great coach? Hmm, that's that's an interesting question. I think I think a great coach. Is also somewhat of a mentor. You know, they、mm. they teach you things just beyond the technical.、Um, I think there's a lot of coaches who really focus on just the technical aspect, and they don't really get into、um, match tactics, for instance. You know, strategy. You know, they a lot of them aren't able to really advise you 
when, you know, on how it feels to be in a tournament or what you should do, how you should prepare for your matches. Um, I feel like, especially if you don't have anyone else in your life who plays tennis, I think it's really important for a coach to be able to tell you these things. Would you ever consider become a coach one day? Um, I was a coach, actually. Oh, sorry. Uh, the entire time I played tennis. Sorry. <laughs> I was a coach for 10 years. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, that's awkward. So, 10 years. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, I didn't really identify as a coach. You know, I wouldn't have put that on my business card back then. That was kind of like how I helped mum pay the bills because mm-hmm. she's, she's a tennis coach. So... And she still is to this day. Um, so, yeah, I helped her. I was kind of her off-sider um, assistant coach, essentially, mm-hmm. for, for all the time I was playing. So, right. yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> are you going to continue? <laughs> uh, I mean, with all the situation happening, are you going to continue coaching or are you going to do something else? Uh, I haven't coached in a while. Mm-hmm. So, when I... When I left tennis, mm-hmm. um, I set about going to university. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that point, you know, I thought, okay, um, I'm going to get into, you know, my other passion, which was um, computer engineering. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, yeah, so I have been studying um, my Bachelor of Engineering at Monash uh, up until now. This is my final semester coming up. Ooh, um, exciting. Yeah, so exciting. I've been at uni for a while. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so... Um, okay, so... Yeah, so, yeah that, that's, been, that's my career path now. I've had a few internships and um, I'll be starting a grad position uh, starting mm-hmm. next year. So, okay. that, that's it. Yeah, it's exciting. Okay. So now moving on, on uh, away from tennis a little bit. So computer engineering, is that including coding, hacking, or building program or websites? What's the, the hardware or the software? A um, bit of both. So my degree's in electrical and computer engineering. So, mm-hmm. you know, doing building hardware and writing the software that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bit of robotics. Um, Oh, I know. I know. What are you talking about now? Um, Boston Dynamics. Is that something that it's in your... Is that something in in your book that you want to work for them? The Boston Dynamics where the robots, they can run like real animals? Those would be pretty... That would be pretty cool to work for. How about (laughs) Tesla? Tesla is an interesting company. Um, Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I love how you word it. Okay. All right. Okay. I, I love their products. I don't. I, I don't know anything else about them though. I'm not like a. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of really rabid fanboys. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Like super into Elon and mm-hmm. their. You know. Okay. Um. I don't know if I call myself a rabid fanboy, but I appreciate what they do. Mm-hmm. So, what's your ideal position in say 15, 20 years time? Are you going to do? Actually, you know what? I just pop up this in my head. This frustrates me a lot, and I need you to do something for tennis. I'm just hoping that it's on your project at some point in your life. Um, ball pickup machines. 
Can you make oh, something yeah. along the line, or even like you know those lobsters that they 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 put on the tee at the baseline and they start giving balls. Those things cost so much, you know, a couple of grand. Are you able to commercialize where, you know, because right now we can hit tennis, we can play tennis, but you can only play singles. Well, if there's a machine out there costs say less than five hundred bucks, you know, call it under the the meal ball machine or whatever. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna purchase that and then. You know, when the, you know, it doesn't matter. And, and again, some ball machine only allows certain balls, which is, I find it really... That's frustrating. true. Yes. That's true. And yeah. so why can't we just, I mean, you don't want to put cricket ball there, but I mean, you can just normal tennis balls, whether it's used or not too flat, like green balls or red balls, but any balls that everyone can just have a hit and then you can program it, you know. Um, there you go. I'm pitching the shark, you know, <laughs> a shark tank. And... Um, and also, you can you can train fitness. You know, like you know, uh, every three seconds go to this corner, three seconds go to that corner. You know, but all the machines on on, on the on the market, they are you know at least one and a half two grand. So that's your that's your uh, project in the next few years, Mill, right there. <laughs> oh yeah, uh-huh. actually, um, my dad is into um, repairing and building machines like mm-hmm. this and he had a business a while back um mm-hmm. called sport machines where he repaired like string machines and mm-hmm. had a lot of ball machines coming through mm-hmm. if you look at these machines and then you consider how much people uh, they're charging for these machines like some of them have the most really basic components in them they're just a, a giant box with a tiny little circuit board in it mm-hmm. and the most basic, you know, motors and things like they really don't warrant that much money. And I think there's a lot of scope for them to be improved for sure. For the listeners, so, if you think, all the listeners, if you think Mio and I, we're going to talk about tennis, you can tune somewhere else. We're going to talk about how to make this machine work. Okay. All right. So you're saying that it's just a big box, big marketing box, a lot of gimmicks and inside there is some sort of circuit that, Many computer engineers can program or up- upgrade into something, uh, I guess, more functional in a sense or more practical. I think you could definitely make it. For example, the movement is usually quite jerky on a lot of these ball machines. It's mm-hmm. very basic, you know, just side to side. I think you could, you know, there, there's a fair bit that you could do with with the way that it launches balls, etc. Um, Although there are some limitations because, you know, if you've got something on the ground that's below net height, Mm -hmm. it it gets quite difficult to actually aim the ball and, Mm -hmm. you know, without adding a lot of backspin to it to make it land within the court, Mm -hmm. which is all all this physics stuff that I didn't really specialize in, but... But um, what my dad actually uses, and um, this is at uh, my mom's tennis club, we have a ball machine that was originally made for um, baseball Mm -hmm. and softball. So it deals with variable-sized balls, Mm -hmm. and it stands above net height, so you get like a more realistic ball coming at you. the only downside, I suppose, is that you have to have someone manually feed the balls in. Um, there is like an attachment that you could have where you can 
add multiple balls, but it's it's quite a bit better. Um, the problem is that I think these sort of machines are a fair bit more expensive than than the tennis ball machines, unfortunately, but just because of the components and how big mm. they are. And mm. they just that. all the machines out there in tennis. I've got to say they're overpriced. They're too they expensive. They definitely are. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, what can we do? Hmm. I am also, okay. Apart from the balls, I'm also looking into, and I think they probably had it uh, with one of the big uh, top brands racket. They had it in the in the um, in the handles, in the grips, and they can measure how many times you hit the ball, or you know, I am looking into. Oh, yeah. I'm looking into some sort of a chip that traces how the player hits the ball, and you know, let's say you can tell whether it's a backhand slice. Whether it's a forehand, probably probably not forehand topspin, but just forehand. So forehand, backhand, serve, volley. So if you add up all the data, you can kind of tell what kind of style this player does, you know, against this player, or you know, during this time of the year, or or this surface and things like that. And I, I think that would be an interesting data to look at, and without counting, um, you know. Or how many, even how many rallies in in a point? So that would be, yeah, that would be quite quite interesting to add mm-hmm. um, what they call IoT or like Internet of Things into a tennis racket, for instance. That would be quite quite yeah. cool. And um, yeah, to see stats like that. And the coach, um, and the coach would think, look look at the data and go, okay, cool. You you need this kind of fitness. You need this and that. So it's easy to work from there. So yeah, yeah, I think that could be. I think that's that's probably where it might even head in the future. And, you know, when you're watching live tennis, you know, you might be seeing some stats streamed straight from the player's rackets, for instance. Oh, that's a good one. Mm. That's a good one. Oh, you know another thing? You know another thing is also a good one? The one thing that I would, like, if, if if I had built something like that, the one thing... I would kind of would be in the back of my mind is that a lot of players really do not treat their rackets very well. <laughs> <laughs> That's so it true. Really so <laughs> true. <laughs> your bunch of sensor arrays get absolutely smashed to mm. pieces. Mm. You know what? On that, on that, I, I reckon. Um, I'm, I'm not saying everyone does the. You know, like. You know, abuse their rackets and all, but those who don't, which uh, credits to you, but those who, those who actually do it very often, I reckon in that handle, right? Um, in that in that handle, the way there's a chip. You know, have you seen the movie uh, Mission Impossible? Yeah. And oh, what, you mean it's going to self destruct? Yes. <laughs> if you if if the if the racket leaves your hand for more than five seconds and with some sort of vibration into certain you know magnitude, it would just explode. <laughs> but that's not a good idea because you you might throw it at your opponent. Might be a good one to give give the, those fourteen year olds. You, know, you see them at the juniors and the nationals mm-hmm. and stuff who are just absolutely. Smashing their rackets to pieces. Maybe a training tool for them. Yeah, maybe not throwing, uh, maybe not self-destruct, but maybe sort of a, create some sort of a, a, a smell like a, from a gunk, or or maybe the string melts straight away, or something like that. So you know, <laughs> so they will learn a lesson very early on. <laughs> oh, also, also, this is another thing um, about. Um, uh, I think you can put your mind to, or for all the listeners, is that. Um, 
uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye only happens to big tournaments and center courts or, you know, how can we use Hawkeye program some sort of technology into our local club? So, um, so everyone plays fair, so no one has to, you know, accuse someone of hooking or something like that. How can we do that, Mio? marches on I think it's going to that technology is going to become a lot cheaper mm-hmm. um, I'm not like Hawkeye is like a really proprietary sort of technology based on I think I'm maybe just spitballing here but I think it's a camera array right so maybe it could be done you know cheaper with you know maybe sensors or that kind of thing or even just a single camera with like computer vision um but that all of that stuff isn't really. We're not at the point yet where it's cheap enough and easy enough to to deploy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as things get cheaper, you know, um, and computer like integrated computers get cheaper as well. So you might be able to have like a tiny little computer the size of say a GoPro mm-hmm. that's running some kind of computer vision instead mm-hmm. of having you know the six camera array that Hawkeye uses, I think. They use, like, maybe up to 12. I'm not sure how many cameras they use. Okay. It's, it's quite a lot, so... All right. So, we are now in July 2019. Oh, sorry, well, 2020. <laughs> actually, actually, no, you know, 2019 actually sounds better. I'm sorry, but... All right. It's, when, it's all uh, quarantine <laughs> Yeah. All right, no. Um, we're now July 2020. My God, what am I thinking? July 2020. I'm going to call this. I'm going to, I'm going to get the copyright of this. All right. Um, if, if it really happens in Tennis of Melbourne or in the Melbourne community or just something along the line with Hawkeye, right? And I'm going to name it Hook Eye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call it Hook Eye. So, like, if you go to a tournament, have you got a Hook Eye? So, an eye for hooking. So, I think that's a, that would be a very catchy, um, a catchy phrase as well as a product for people like maybe tournament directors can invest it maybe just a higher maybe i don't know hundred dollars a day or something like that and you just put up all the cameras around um the uh the courts and that it will just says in or out you know so it'll be really interesting hooker hashtag h-o-o-k-e-y-e there you go tennis of melbourne <laughs> just come up on the spot <laughs> There you go. Um, watch out for it. Yeah, better watch out for it. So, uh, you finishing this year and you're going to look doing to uh, placements and internship. Um, are you? Have you done any product studies available that for f- everyday use in your last few years of computer engineering? Um, so, you mean products that you can Oh no! Is it in like you made yourself? Like, have you created something, or have you made yourself? Um. So my final year project, I just finished that last year. That was a biomedical sensor. Um. Actually, it's funny. It used a camera. So <laughs> the idea was, it uses a camera to um, extract or to calculate your blood oxygen levels. Ooh. So you just have a your webcam and you just take a small, a short video of your face mm-hmm. and you can get um, a blood oxygenation reading from from that. So that was a, a cool project that I did last year. 
Okay, if that's last year, surely you can tell if the ball got in in the court or out of the court. <laughs> Come on. It's a, it's a bit different um, in that respect because that's going into what they call, um, a, this is an academic deal called um, computer vision. So I was doing, I guess, it's like a very basic form of computer vision, but I didn't have to track anything. Um, but I, I have been involved in a project so my um uh i'm in a student team at monash and Mm -hmm. um it's the monash nova rover team so Mm -hmm. we build a mars rover Mm -hmm. um to compete in a competition each year and Mm -hmm. um we actually do use computer vision on that and we track a tennis ball using the camera um Mm -hmm. i'm on a different sub team so i'm i'm not involved in writing the code that does that but it's definitely possible, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So okay, well, well, we can talk that you know about that in the future. And even if something like that comes out on the market, and if it's called Hukai, you and I, we're gonna sue that company. <laughs> definitely, if they're listening, they yes. watch out. We're gonna blow you up. All right. So, um, wow. Okay. Um, I'm going to put my entrepreneurship mind down a little bit. Okay, so um, you mentioned uh, last week in uh, in a, you know before the recording to me, and you said um, you love war stories. Oh, I just I mentioned I had a few. So. Oh right. Uh, okay. Right. Of the of playing. And oh, playing. that's war yeah, kind of war. So I call. Like, oh man, that is. This is where interpretation from me where went went to, went went wrong. So I thought you were going to talk about Auschwitz, or you're going to talk about World War One, oh, okay. or you're going to talk about no. that. You know. So all right, my bad. <laughs> no, that would be very dark listening. Mm-hmm. I reckon. Okay. Uh, well, let's. Probably let's, too heavy. Okay, let's talk about the current situation. Are you? Would, are you? Uh, do you st- stand up for? Again, a, d- a disclaimer: if you don't find some, if you don't find uh, comfortable, hundred percent comfortable to to discuss, or maybe you want to dab here, dab there, that's all fine. But I feel like we are, we do have a platform for. Uh, I mentioned earlier is is that social responsibility? Like, for example, um, with current situation going on, as well as. Um, we're now hitting well over 16,500 uh, times played since the first lockdown. I've been doing convo every single day. And, and, and yeah, so that's something I feel like I'm giving people a voice. Now, would you say that uh, when you look at you know, what's around in, in Melbourne or in this country, were there some sort of a, a mindset that you think that this country are missing? When it comes to anything, um, okay, or like our like our COVID response, or or even with the recent, uh, maybe two months ago with George Floyd. All oh, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it's important. I think that well, I feel like the um, a lot of criticism was launched at you know the BLM marches in Australia, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, well, it wasn't the right time or, you know, it didn't apply to us. It was American politics coming to Australia. Mm-hmm. And I really disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we actually have a lot more similarity with American politics 
not all, not always in, in the two-party sense, you know, in the election sense. Obviously, we're quite different. But in, in our history of racial um, relations, we actually share a lot of commonalities. You know, our Indigenous populations mm-hmm. suffered a lot of the same um, same treatment as, you know, the Native Americans. And it's just... I think that, yeah, there's a lot, but the prop, the difference is, I suppose, in Australia is that we're quite, a lot of us are quite sheltered. Mm. We, we don't often think, um, you know, we're not taught about a lot of this in school as well. I really remember there was absolutely no Indigenous history taught to my generation mm. at school um, at all. Wow. <laughs> you know, it was just Captain Cook. That was it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, I'm not even that old, really, but, you know, I hope it's changed. You know, I hope the kids are learning some more, you know, more of the truth and more more of what actually went went on and the reality of of that whole situation. But Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I I love your um, responses, and I think, think, um, yeah, like, I I still remember when I was in high school... um, Many years ago, it was uh, not not much has been touched. It was more sort of like again that really comes down to education. How how um, our older generation really want us to believe and, and think and do. You know, um, I mean, again, um, this comes to, this can 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 get very you know sensitive topic for some listeners. But all I say is. All I say is, you know, you got to stand up what is right for you, and um, and and I personally think uh, I myself, as a minor, minority growing up, uh, racism, uh, it, you know, does help um, affect me in some way from from school or even after school, uh, directly and indirectly, and um, so I, I think a lot of times we just really need to learn how to um, understand and seek to understand the different culture and and trying to have a harmony within, you know, again, you, you would definitely agree with this, but Melbourne is very, very diverse, very, very diverse. You know, if you, if you just go to a tennis court, a tennis, tennis tournament, and you just look at all the surnames, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't get O'Brien or Smith or, you know, or I don't know, just all the, all the time, Jones, Jones or, the, or, or uh, you know, Blackburn or, or whatever. So you, you, you got to really understand that because tennis it takes your mind globally. It takes you, it makes you see further. And, and that's one of the things I love about tennis where you can speak the same language to someone else on the other side of the world just by hitting the ball. You know, um, you, can, you can make friends just hitting a ball. Maybe you guys don't speak the same language verbally, but using this sport as a platform or as a, as a stepping stone, you can actually connect. And that's so beautiful about in my opinion, about about this sport of tennis, um, so I think I think uh, yeah. So so I think um, sometimes we we do need to speak up. Um, I think having a silence or not talking about it does you kind of starting to doubt whether whether you're on the right mindset or wrong mindset. But sometimes it's, it's not right or wrong, but it's just talking about it and then have a bit of discussion. Um, I mean, there will be trolls here and there. But you're just gonna understand. I mean, I already had a few trolls, you know, when I when I post um, the BLM blackout Tuesday or whatever. But uh, all oh, in all, yeah, yeah, you see them crop up. But yeah, I think um, it's important, I suppose, to not be 
so afraid. I think a lot of people are so afraid of saying the wrong thing that they don't say anything at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agree. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just. I think that you know, silence is complicit. Complicity, really. Or you know, it's, it's just. It's just being apathetic towards it. And I think that at some point you kind of have to draw the line. You say, well, look, maybe I'm not going to be the most eloquent person in the world, but I've Gotta say something, you know. Mm. Mio, you you need to write a book, man. You need to write a book. <laughs> start start writing. Start Maybe writing. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. Yeah. Just you know, just write something with your war stories and your things, and, and you know, you don't want to waste. I don't, yeah. So you're you're a very talented person, and look, I'll I'll tell you this now, Mio. I'm going to invite you for a meal 2.0 at some point in the future because I feel like we can do a convo without mentioning a single word of tennis, without a single word well, of tennis. Yeah, and we can that, even that's that's possible. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, we can. I mean, we can touch it might on. Be in a few years, though. We um, we we can touch on tennis, situation. but. We, yeah, we can touch on tennis. However, we can always touch on, you know, the machines, you know, the 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 the, the ins and outs. Actually, no. Just a curious question: Are you Android or Apple? Um, uh, both, actually. Oh, okay. I have so many phones in my room. It's I just revive all my old ones and and mm-hmm. spent all of uh, last week trying to fix one of my old Android phones. I got it working again and. I don't know. I, quarantine's done some very um, strange things to my brain. So <laughs> I've just well, all you gotta have. Well, tell everyone how many phones do you have right now? Is, are able to call and text? Uh, oh, well, most of them don't have SIM cards. But if I put my SIM in them, I think probably about one, two, three, four, maybe four. Oh, four's fine. So there's got to be, which one has more, Android or Apple? Um, I think they both, it's, re- it's really not like as different, you know, as everyone makes it out to be. Like they all do the same thing at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I suppose my, my, my daily driver is uh, an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, i I like the software. I think it's really well integrated and it's quite it's quite good. Um, okay. I guess you have a bit more flexibility with Android in that you can just you can get the, the hardware features that you want mm-hmm. um, more easily. With Apple, you're kind of stuck with whatever they want you to have, you know, at mm-hmm. a certain price range. Mm-hmm. So, but they have they both have pluses and minuses. Mm-hmm. So. I, 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 at the end of the day, like I feel, yeah, I, I totally agree. And uh, I've, I have both as well. I have more than four phones. <laughs> and uh, I got to say that if in a nutshell, Apple is more user friendly, audio and also uh, so multimedia, audio and visual. Um, Android just as good, but Android is more functional and uh, efficiency. That's in my opinion. So that's how I how I perceive these two. But again, I have two phones. All right, uh, more than more than more than two phones. Um, lastly, uh, before the convo, I did say uh, tennis of Melbourne is about appreciation. So over these years, uh, on tennis, off tennis, 
or whoever you want to thank. You can give them a shout out, dropping names if you want to. So this is a moment of appreciation. So Mil, this is your time. Take it away. Okay. Um. Well, for everything that she helped me with during during my tennis career and continues to, you know, I always show appreciation for my mum. She's always been my hero. Um. And of course, my dad as well. He's always been a, a big inspiration. Um. Who else? Probably, I suppose, a lot of people I've, I've met through work and internships who've been mentors. Um, I can't really name names, I mm-hmm. suppose, but um, big shout out to them. Mm-hmm. They know who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone who's sort of helped me to get to where I am now, like especially educationally. Um, I've had a couple of tutors over the years. Uh, big shout out to them as well. Um yeah, that would be pretty much my whole shout out list. Oh, well, my friends and uh, my friends who might be listening to this as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, everyone on the Nova Rover team at Monash. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, that's that'd be pretty much who I would shout out and sh- show some appreciation for. Mm. Okay. If I've forgotten anyone, uh, I. You know, I'm <laughs> a bit um, forgetful, but, you know, if, yeah. Okay. All right. Beautiful. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Mio, um, for your for your time and energy and uh, that beautiful touch on your tennis journey and also that passion with um, computer science or, computer, or engineering. You know, I'm really looking forward if one day it really comes down to whether it's a hook eye company or a pickup machine, you know, I'll definitely reach out to you if there's any, um, uh, I guess, values or you can you can make an input to. But I think I really think that's um, it will, it's just something that I, I think uh, that this market needs. Um, coming back to you again, uh, yeah, thank you for your time and uh, all the listeners out there, Melbourne, um, uh, stay safe and uh, let's make sure we we get back to tennis. Uh, all together. So, Mio, thank you very much. You want to say goodbye to our 50 million family and friends? Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. All right. Thanks, Mio. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.